What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast, part of the CSG Network. I'm, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. Okay, um, this is going to be a short one. Um, Michael Malone and Calvin Booth talked today. I, there wasn't... Uh, others have covered that more in depth. I'll let them I'll let them do it. You can look up Locked On Nuggets or uh, Pickaxe and Roll or DNVR or any of the other, many other uh, Nuggets podcasts. But... Um, I kind of wanted to talk to you today about the Denver Nuggets and their pressure that is substantially on them this year in a in a way that has not been felt in the Connolly era. Um, this is very, very unique for the last nine years. Um, I would say that the pressure um, on the Denver Nuggets right now is only comparable to maybe coming off the Western Conference Finals uh, in 2009, uh, maybe through 2010 there. I think the 2010 offseason, because they regressed and had that flame out in the, po- in the in the playoffs in round one against Utah, I think that, that both of those years from 2009 and 2010 were both really heavily pressured. Um, in 2008 offseason, as I talked about that, the not much was expected of the Nuggets because it, it looked from all appearances that the Nuggets were just kind of wanting to do whatever it took to get under the tax, and uh, and they did. And uh, the Chauncey Billups trade kind of changed things three games into the season. Um, I can't count that. Um, but 2009-2010 is really the last time uh, the Nuggets franchise felt any sort of substantive pressure. The post-Mellow era Nuggets did not have uh, a ton of pressure. In fact, they were playing with house money. Um, the Even the 2012-13 you know, Nuggets that won 57 games, no one was expecting them to, to do what they did. Um, they made that trade during the Olympics for uh, Andre Iguodala, um, but that even that didn't shoot the expectations through the roof. This is, in fact, the Nuggets haven't paid the tax since 2009, I think, is the last time. It was either 2009 or 2010. I think it was the 9-10 season was the last time. And by the way, they, they paid a minuscule amount of tax. I've seen that a lot lately. Um, they went into the tax that year, but it was very briefly, and I think it was only like $2 million. <laughs> and this is prior to the the, the change in 2011 lockout, uh, which changed the way they, they do the tax. So really, this is the first time in a long time the Nuggets have, especially basically since 2008, that the Nuggets have paid the tax. Um, this will be. Um, but what I mean by pressure is that the Nuggets are in this transition from happy-go-lucky uh, up-and-coming team that no one expects to do anything to uh, really a team that uh, has expectation, real expectation from the front office to the coaching staff to the players to everyone. There is legit uh, expectation about what the Nuggets should be doing and how well they should be doing. Um, not only because of the number and the obviously Nikola Jokic will be signing his um, uh, Supermax contract, uh, but there's on top of that, there is the real, the injured players are coming back situation. And uh, I do want to point out Michael Malone's uh, presser today was kind of a uh, well, the pressure's on the the front office to you know you know and all that just to really step up and everyone else. So I mean, pressure's on him too, folks. 
literally the pressure is on everyone sans Stan Kroenke and Josh Kroenke to progress. Um, you could argue that the last two seasons because of largely because of injuries, but, um, they've kind of squandered the, um, two MVP years of Nikola Jokic. Um, and what they really need to do is next year, they need to go progress further than the second round. Um, my thing is that, Yes, if they get to the Western Conference Finals again and they lose, um, even then it's going to be a little disappointing, but it won't be as bad. But if there's anything short of a Western Conference Finals appearance next year, I think people are going to be rightfully applying, ratcheting up even more pressure and the disappointment will be palpable. And that's okay. Um, People tend to believe that uh, pressure is undue. But pressure is a good thing. Expectation is a good thing. Um, There needs to be higher expectations for the entire organization than what they've got. Um, You've had four years of playoffs, and I'll be honest with you, the bubble thing is that the more we get past the bubble, as great as an achievement as it it is, it, it is its own thing. And I can't count that in everything else because it's it's so unusual. It was so unique. There was the the factors there you will not be able to repeat replicate. Um, there's just so many different things to do with the bubble that, that you can just kind of look at it as the Nuggets bubble achievement, uh, as its own weird dynamic. And I, I'll, I'll say it's, it's impressive to me what they were able to do specifically with that team when they kind of, uh, were able to come back from three, one down uh, twice and, you know, go to the Western conference finals. Obviously there's, you know, there's this, there's this element of, um, what they did there was it was extremely unique, extremely hard to do, and should be its own thing. Uh, but the next, you know, the 2019, um, 21, and 22 have all been um, okay. Uh, I think I think it's the Nuggets need to go from where they are, which everyone understands them to be. Um, without the injury, um, I, I shouldn't say excuse, but it kind of is, um, to go from that to progressing to being a legit contender. Um, it's hard to do, but it's good. Um, we as Nuggets fans need to learn to be okay with expectation. We need to learn to not treat them with kid gloves. We need to learn to be able to look at this Nuggets team and say, uh, what happened here is whatever, but we need to go much farther and we need to actually have championship expectation. What does that manifest itself as? And that's a very good question. Um, I, I will get into this as the off season progresses, as we go into the free agency, as we go into the draft, um, now is not the time to talk about it. Um, quite frankly, uh, we're in the doldrums of the offseason, even though the playoffs are going on. Um, so there's not, I wouldn't say that we have anything to talk about <laughs> with this Nuggets team. It's just we have a um, a situation where this Nuggets team is uh, out of the playoffs, Playoffs are going on, and I got to be honest with you, folks. I have I, my my interest in these playoffs is very, very minimal at this point, and this is probably the lowest it's been in ages. 
ages. I'm trying to think of the last playoffs I really was this disinterested in seeing, and I think it goes all the way back to 2003. I was really not interested in that that playoffs. Um, I think before that, maybe... Oh, no, I was interested in all the playoffs through the 90s. Um and the and the three Lakers championships, there was always fun, something fun to watch. Uh, in two thousand two, there was the the Lakers King series, which uh, kept everyone on the their edge of their seat. Um, so I think two thousand three really was the last year that I was kind of eh, about the playoffs, and it was kind of woken up again with the with the collapse of the two thousand four Lakers and all the drama that was going on then. The Pistons winning. Um, 2005, uh, I was interested in those playoffs, but those, the finals that year was, um, the most boring seven game series ever, ever played, (laughs) put it to you that way. Uh, but you know, all that aside, we are now at a point where, um, in order for the nuggets to be what they want to be, there needs to be a clear, definable and tangible line of progression from where they're at now. There does seem to be, and I, some people are going to dispute this, but there does seem to be a bit of a malaise that has come over this team. Um, a malaise in a sense that I do think even sans the injuries, there's kind of a stale uh, aspect to this. They need a, a, a different dynamic. Um, I have noticed that they have been largely non-committal with Boogie Cousins. Um, I never thought that he would be back, to be quite honest with you. Who knows what's going to happen, but I, I, just my own gut feeling was that they, they didn't value, I guess, his contribution enough to, to want to have to bring him back and all the bringing Boogie back entails. Um, but I think that we... We're, we're looking at a Nuggets team that is really at a point where they need to pull a rabbit out of a hat. And I'm going to have to put some lot more thought into that than I actually have already because um, the Nuggets rabbit out of the hat pulling is going to be limited by the fact that uh, Michael Porter Jr. is uh, on a, you know, coming off a year where he had another back surgery. And we're coming off a year where Jamal was out all year. And um, your tradable assets are largely Aaron Gordon, Will Barton, uh, Monte Morris. You know, you're you're not looking at your top end. And and you're really, if you were looking at something that, now my my views on MPJ are, 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 pretty well known at this point. Um, I think the Nuggets need to do what it takes to uh, nurture this and make sure that he succeeds because um, this is one of those situations where if he gets traded, I have no zero, I have zero doubt in my mind that he will, he will explode. Um, And it's whether you want that aspect hanging over you as an organization. Um, Largely what's held him back is injury. Um, I, why I, on the last podcast, I essayed my disagreements with Adam Mares on this subject. Um, I think that if, if, uh, MPJ was on a team that had to be rebuilt, uh, his learning progression would be a lot steeper than it is on a team where he has to, um, he's a good team where he has to play with, um, a, an unusual style for a typical prototypical NBA player like MPJ. 
Um, and some players adapt to it better than others. So that all that aside, I talked about that last week. The Nuggets really need to find a way to pull a rabbit out of the hat. They've got the 21st pick this year in the draft. Who knows what they're going to be able to do with that. I am kind of concerned that they will end up picking that because I, I don't think they need another young person on this team. Uh, this is really, in my view, um, part of the, when you're talking about linear progression, uh, I really do believe that they need to go from having a bunch of young players that have a bunch of potential to um, progressing beyond that and getting veterans on this team who want to win. And some of that is, that's a, that's a hard balancing act because you need the, the, the right mix and the right um the right players coming in to to add to what you're doing already. I said on a couple podcasts, you know, the Nuggets ago, the Nuggets need some dogs. Um, they need some guys who are gonna go out and just be just just be guys that are like dogs. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Uh, and and quite frankly, right now the Nuggets don't have any that aspect. I mean, the, today Michael Malone pointed to uh, Aaron Gordon and, uh, and uh, Austin Rivers. And I want to tell you something. There's not a, I, I, I think you could say a little bit with Austin, but I wouldn't say necessarily Aaron Gordon is a dog. Um, you know, there, there's just ways that you can do this. And I think he was speaking in re, in reference to defense and Aaron Gordon's a good defensive player. Um, but you need a guy who's just going to go out there and do the dirty work and nuggets need some lunch pail guys at this point. And, uh, there's not a ton of those in the league. Uh, the league is kind of on, I would say kind of stretched thin with guys, because there's been such an emphasis on draft and, and, and churn, um, guys who are just going to go out and do the dirty work, believe it or not, have been kind of filtered out of the league by and large. And the ones that are remaining have been kind of overpaid. And they're on teams that, you know, I, I would never say Pat Beverly is the kind of guy I'd want on this team, but Jay Crowder is one. Uh, and they are they get into situations where they bounce around the league a lot, and then they get to a situation where they're they're more stable, and they 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 are stay there. And they're usually those victims of ca- of salary cap. They're, there's the ones that uh, uh, are the uh, ones that like the team is like, okay, we got to do something with this guy because he's the most expendable guy on the roster, and it changes the chemistry. But they're the those kind of guys have become less and less and less as the as the uh, as the evolution of the NBA has progressed. And what the Nuggets have, have needed is that guy. They needed a guy who they can pick up and bring in who's going to be a dog. Uh, as for all his great act- attributes, Boogie Cousins is not that type of guy on this kind of team. Um, they need a more perimeter-oriented guy. Um, and now as far as what the Nuggets do with the backup center, um, they had the perfect backup center in, in uh, Mason Plumley. Um, and Mason wanted to get paid, but he was basically the perfect backup to Nikola Jokic. And, uh, that is one of the reasons, I mean, as much shit as people gave him, that's one of the reasons the Nuggets got as far as they did in the bubble was they got a guy like Mason who, yes, he had made mistakes and he, he, uh, um, was basically played off the floor frequently, but he, there is a a kind of a, a, a thing that he provided a stability to allow Jokic to to get some more rest, um, and the Nuggets haven't had that since Plumdog left. So 
you know, you never know. But the by and large, this Nuggets team and this this field of expectation that they're entering into now is the no excuses territory, and usually this territory means change. And this this is the something that this Nuggets team and I think Nuggets fans need to embrace. You need to embrace the fact that that there is a evolution on this team from from lovable um, up and comer to this next level, which is serious and serious expectation and serious um, uh, pressure on the team overall. Because, you know, quite frankly, there is no, uh, that is a sign that you are serious. That is a sign that you are part of this next evolution in uh, your your game. Every team goes through this. Uh, the Detroit Pistons went through this when they acquired Mark Aguirre. Um, the Chicago Bulls did this when they traded uh, uh, Charles Oakley for um, uh, Bill Cartwright. Um, the, all the teams that you see, oh, a, a more recent, very recent example is the Bucks when they traded for um, Drew Holiday. They went all in on Drew Holiday and it paid them paid off in dividends for them. They are they won a championship last year, and they are in the second round this year so far. So obviously, this is a a situation that I believe wholeheartedly that the Nuggets find themselves in. I don't know what they can do, but they are now at a place where there is expectation that you need to progress and you need to go from point A to point B to and I think they've been stuck on point C for a while. They need to get to D. And D is true contender. And what the Nuggets are able to do with that is going to be uh, the challenge of, of Tim Connolly's tenure here as a Denver Nuggets uh, uh, team president. Um, there is just so many layers to this that he's got to, you know, you know, not to mix a metaphor, but he's got a lot of balls in the air. He's got to juggle these. And uh, the best GMs know how to do it. And uh, the the Bucks went all in for Drew Holiday. They identified what they needed to do, and they did it. The Nuggets were in on that, and they weren't willing to p- pay the uh, huge price, basically, which is what it was that the Bucks paid. So this Nuggets team needs to decide what they are willing to do now, and what they're willing to do in future uh, future uh, moves that make them the contender that they should be with Nikola Jokic as that one-of-a-kind kind of player. Uh, we'll see. All right, before I go, I'm going to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th in Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown. Denver, Colorado, just a couple of blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They are always online at bfwdenver.com. Whether you want reds, you want whites, you want blends, you want rosés, they got them all. From Sonoma County, California, or from on any of the Western Slope wineries out there at bfwdenver.com. If you go in, and uh, if you go in, if you bfwdenver.com, they've got bottles that you can pick up. they got some swag. Uh, you can book a table if you want. Uh, if you go into the winery, you can try the local Colorado wines. Anything that you need in one of the best locations in Denver. One of my favorite places to go in Denver, and I've been reading about them for three years now, uh, and I've never been disappointed. Once again, they're located between 18th and 19th in Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They're always online at bfwdenver.com. When you go in or talk to them, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you. All right, before I go, guys, um, I'm going to probably go down to one podcast a week. Uh, for the off season, I have got a, I'm doing a lot of different projects right now that I'll be able to tell you about 
later. Um, but uh, as of right now, uh, I've just got a lot of I got a lot of work to do. So what I'll tell you is that things are uh, I'll be doing one podcast here, and then probably uh, try, I'm going to be recording a bunch of the Gen X show um, episodes. So you can look forward to that. Uh, Gen X show is uh, my other baby, and I'm going to be having a bunch of good guests and you know, nice series and all that stuff. If you're an older older person like me. I hope you tune in and listen and uh, enjoy the show. All right. Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mordcast part of the CSG Network. I'll be back soon with another episode. Goodbye.